Hello and welcome. Legally Brief presents How to Make Our Institutions Better, a series. I'm your host, Judy Saunders. I represent companies, nonprofits, and individuals who all believe that our institutions should work for us and can do better. This show is for you if you're fed up, if you're tired of hearing about the latest scandal, abuses of power, and wrongdoing happening in our private and public institutions. Each week, we'll look at ways that we can work together, that we can avoid villainizing each other, and that we can make these systems do what they're supposed to do, whether it's to protect, whether it's to serve, whether it's to enrich, or simply employ. We can do this. Now, while I hope you enjoy listening to each show, the content is never a substitute for contacting and speaking directly with a licensed attorney who knows and understands your unique circumstances. Past episodes of the podcast can be found on the website. And when you go to the website, don't forget to sign up for the newsletter. You'll also see information about my practice, about who I represent, and how I can help. So whether you're an organization that is looking for and needs an internal audit, that needs implementation of change, you can find those answers and you can learn more about all of those things that I do on the website. And when you're ready to speak directly to an attorney, you'll also find numbers and contact information there. So as always, and with each episode, sit back, listen, and you can always leave a comment. Enjoy the show. This episode, we focus on institutions, the court system in particular, and where it can go wrong where and when we can have a problem that then plagues an entire organization and causes harm, it causes unnecessary suffering. The Washington Post reporter, Amy Britton, did a brilliant series, a podcast series. I think it was five to 10 episodes. And it came about as some investigating reporting that she had done for the Post She reported on a sexual assault survivor by the name of Lauren Clark. And I'm bringing this to you because it was so riveting and so poignant as to what can go wrong within a larger structure, the criminal justice system in this case, and how it can cause further harm systemically within our communities. So the survivor, Lauren Clark, this took place in Washington, D.C. She was jogging one evening and she passed a man wearing glasses. Miss Britton, the reporter, stated that as Lauren passed the stranger, she then felt a blow to her head and she fell to the ground. She tried to fight off attacker, but he then began to pummel her face with his closed fist. The attacker sexually assaulted her, grabbed some of her belongings and then fled. Lauren was beaten and she was shocked by how violent this assault was. There was an onlooker who was actually able to catch the attacker and hold him until the police came. The police were then able to connect this same attacker, this perpetrator, to similar sexual assaults in the same community. So Lauren 
went through the process. The police assured her that there was overwhelming evidence. There was an immediate arrest. And I'll tell you from the point of being a former prosecutor, there is nothing better than a case like this where you have immediate outcry, you have a witness and you have an immediate arrest. What more can the police, law enforcement, and what more can a prosecutor act like, ask for rather? So this individual had committed a serious crime to a stranger, nonetheless. And I remind you, if you don't already know, that the vast majority, it's some number, say over 95%, if not more, of sexual assault, sexual violence happens between individuals that know each other. It's rare that you have a stranger on stranger sexual attack. So in this case, in Lauren's case, the individual was caught immediately. There were onlookers, but it turns out that there were numerous failures. There were numerous oversights by the prosecutors in this case, and then by the presiding judge. The individual in this case who was charged was an individual by the name of, and I think I'm saying his name right, Jairo Cruz. It come to find out, Lauren thought that because the evidence was so strong that this person would be convicted, receive some significant jail sentence, because not only was she the survivor, this man had attacked other women in a similar fashion, right there on the streets of Washington, D.C. But Lauren, as I'm sure you will too, was shocked to learn that the attacker was not charged with a serious crime and he was allowed to enter a plea deal and the prosecutors never even called or consulted Lauren. She had no idea this happened. As a result, she suffered severe anxiety on top of the pain. Remember, she was punched in the face. So she had physical bruising, she had the sexual attack, but she had those internal psychological injuries also. So she had severe anxiety and come to find out that this guy, Jairo Cruz, he was a local chef who was known in the area in Washington, D.C. In the months that followed, Lauren actually saw this attacker going past her place of work on the street. He was in and out of some of DC's finest restaurants is where he had worked and still having to deal with the attack, still having to deal with the panic of the trauma. She was seeing this guy out on the street. How could this happen? How can there be such failures within institutions and structures that are supposed to protect? We're going to look inside of this institution, the criminal justice system, and we're going to say, what can we do? What can we find out? Let's do an audit right now. That's what this episode is about. Doing an audit of institutions, diagnosing the problem, recommending, making it better, and understanding that when it happens to you, if you are in a large structure and institution, so that you can know and see the pattern so that you can act. We're all going to inform ourselves We're all going to be aware. Awareness is the key with anything. Even if you're in a large structure, something may be happening and we all are caught up in our own lives and our own patterns and our own ways of doing things. We might not even be aware of it, but not after you listen to this episode, because I'm going to make you aware of the patterns and the signs. So we know that there is a rock solid case. There's a sexual assault. There's a beating of a young woman. There is a Good Samaritan who catches the individual, police arrive right away, arrested, taken to court, one. 
diagnosing the problem, the indifference of authority figures. In this scenario, in this case, it's the indifference of prosecutors. I don't have their file. I don't know why he was not charged with a serious crime. Well, I do know why, and it's coming up. Hang on. That's it's coming. The cliffhanger is coming. He ultimately was released. He received, he spent only a couple hours in jail. And during this process, the victim who was violently attacked was not notified, was not kept informed, was not kept in on the loop and actually has to see her attacker passing her place of employment. The judge in this case was Judge Truman Morrison. He was a presiding judge that made decisions in reference to the perpetrator, Hyro Cruz. Judge Morrison had a 40-year career in Washington, D.C. Circuit Court. He was well-known on the bench and well-respected in, in the Washington, D.C. social circuit. This is the cliffhanger and what we find out. Decades before, in 1976, and this is being reported again, we're getting this story from the reporter Amy Britton. In 1976, Judge Morrison was a mar- young married attorney. And at that time in the 70s, he woke a 16-year-old sleeping girl, and sexually assaulted her in a violent way. Judge Morrison's crime and that survivor in that case was a young girl who kept quiet about what Judge Morrison had done to her. The Bureau of Justice reports that from 2014 to 2018, there were almost half a million people sexually assaulted each year. And those are just the cases that they are track and report. Most, however, most sexual assaults are never reported. Each survivor has a personal reason. Maybe it's fear, retaliation, why they don't report. Maybe they don't believe that they will be believed. But in 1976, when Judge Morrison committed this act of violence against this young child, there wasn't the immediate reporting. What we come to find out is that within this structure, within this system, there was an individual who I would submit had an affinity to this attacker, Jairo Cruz. And instead of coming down, keeping this individual incarcerated and away from other women, knew and could relate to what Jairo Cruz did, who within that institution, that circuit court, prosecutor's office, could have done something. That's what we're talking about today and we're looking at. We're looking at institutions. Institutions are made of individual people. They're not big, stoic, Gotham, Greek-styled buildings. Those are That's not the government. That's not the institution. It's the people inside. It's the people inside that we know that either fail to act or act inappropriately, abuse their powers, and then, as a ripple effect, causes danger to all of us. When we look at how this, how we can start to change our institutions, how we can make them work for us. And I do believe that we can make them work for us. It has to be, and it's going to start grassroots inside of these institutions with individuals who now, after hearing this, and you know it instinctively, you know when you see wrong, and you know that you want to do something or say something, but of course you are doing things like we, all of us humans do. We're weighing our careers. We're weighing our financial position. We're weighing what will happen to us if we speak out. But we know that if it could happen to Lauren, it can happen to our children. 
it can happen to us. And that's why it's imperative that we all make these changes. We all work collaboratively together to stop to, I want to say when you, you know, when you, when you see a virus, when you see a cancer, you try to cut it out before it spreads. I would apply that same medical analogy to what we have to do within our institutions. It's going to take all of us being surgeons and proactively cutting out and restoring these institutions that are put in place, were put in place to work for us. Now, as a footnote, I do not believe that the criminal justice system was put in place to work for the majority of us. That's another episode. It's what we have right now. I could talk about that all day long, particularly about the criminal justice system, but I'm widening the scope to include our institutions. So if you are listening in a position of authority within a company, within a nonprofit, some nonprofits are, when we think about nonprofits, we think about small, local, community-based, not always. Some nonprofits, if you go to the same Washington, D.C. that I was telling you about this story from, have a trip down to Washington, D.C. You will see the American Red Cross. You'll see some of these institutions that are as big or bigger than, they take up space bigger than some government federal agencies. So I say all that to say that we can have broken nonprofits, broken governments, broken private, broken corporate entities, and we have to make them work for us. We can make them work for us. I believe it. I know we can if we all cut out the wrongdoer. If we see something, we say something. I hate seeing that sign, by the way, on the subway system, but it is applicable in this situation. As always, it is a pleasure to have you listening, to have this conversation with you. Until next time, be well. information and content in this podcast is provided for entertainment purposes only. Nothing in this podcast shall constitute legal advice and shall not create an attorney-client relationship. This information is general and may not be applicable to your particular circumstances. You should review your particular circumstances with an attorney. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this podcast is hereby expressly disclaimed.